Hello and welcome to another episode of the Solution Focused Toolkit. I'm Michael Dawson from the Action Factory. And for decades, we've been working to take solution focused brief therapy out of the therapy room and into your workplace. And I'm talking to you every Monday morning because you are our ideal listener. You work in social care, education, residential work, youth work. You're in the people business and we release on a Monday to remind you that you've got the greatest job in the world, helping people improve their lives. Um, This podcast sees the world through a solution-focused lens, and as always, we attempt to break down the solution-focused approach and put it back together again in a way that works for you. So today, as promised, I want to talk about the top 10 categories of questions, okay? In the words of Thomas S. Kuhn, the answers you get depend on the questions you ask. Something you'll be well aware of if you're a journalist, which you're probably not. Um, But of course, it all depends on the questions we ask. But in the therapy room, we, uh, we know that how we manage the questions we ask is vital to the result. Bearing in mind, as a solution focused worker, you are the curious inquisitor and of course to inquire requires questions so it's very very key towards a solution focused approach so in this podcast i want to talk to you about the different types of questions it's not a lesson um, but it's merely to make you aware of them and i think that helps if you're aware of the style and type of questions that are available to you so we do go into the questions in a lot more detail in the training So, as I say, this is not a training session, it's more to make you aware, and I think that's going to be a huge help to you. So, without further ado, and of course, these are not a countdown of the charts, (laughs) but of course, these are the top 10 I I, I just want to make you aware of. Number one, of course, scaling questions, really, really important. Uh, Clearly, for me, the biggest and most powerful of all types of questions these are scaling questions and we're all instinctively aware of this type of thing whether that be from childhood or other situations um it's it's about finding a common universal scale that we can use between us scaling questions kind of ask a client to answer the question on a scale of one to ten it's a common practice that you're probably familiar with. Maybe you've been to the doctors and he's trying to assess, you know, how bad the pain is and stuff. And how's that? How is that when I touch there? One being mild, ten being excruciating. It really gives him a better angle and a better way of determining how bad the pain is. Now, scaling questions are simple in principle and they're simple in understanding. But they can be used in various ways, and it's worth going into these. First of all, obviously, they are used to agree a set benchmark to work from. So, for example, if the miracle day is 10, then where are we now? How, how is today? Is today a 5, a 6, a 7, etc.? Um, when you were recently closest to 10, what number was that, i.e.? 10 is a miracle day, the greatest day as far as this problem is concerned. But last week I felt like I was maybe a four or a five. So that's good. That kind of feels like you moved somewhere. And then, of course, you can say, well, okay, once we've determined these scales and we can use them on lots of different things, what would move you up the scale from, for example, a seven to a seven and a quarter? What would be that little shift in the right direction? Now, of course, most of our clients... We are not in the therapy room, 
remember. So um, you are frontline workers, social workers, youth workers, etc. And, and what we specialise in is kind of adapting this model for you. And all of these questioning techniques can be used in a work environment. Uh, so just throw some stuff. I don't know. Let's just throw some stuff out there. It's very, very difficult to be really precise, as we always say, in a work environment. It's different than a therapeutic environment, but you're still throwing questions out. So, for example, on a scale of one to ten, what's been your best day in recent weeks? You know, that kind of makes sense. You don't need a miracle question there, but it still makes sense to your client. And you can still say, you know, what are you today? How could you move forward a little bit? Maybe even a quarter. Uh, sometimes you may have, um, you know, pre-trained your client to understand your questions. It's already within your relationship, if you know what I mean. Certainly, I used to do that when I worked in kind of residential work and stuff. I would, um, uh, we would be at a point where my client group would naturally understand or expect those kinds of questions from me. Um, also, in a work environment, very different from a therapeutic environment, you might want to use some of, particularly young people or even any any kind of client, their interests. You know, I've, I've worked with kids who love computer games, so you can use the levels there. Instead of a scale, you can use a level. Are you on level 10? Are you on level 1? Some people I work with use football. They love football. So you can use the leagues, you know. Um, how are you feeling about such and such? Champions League, Premier League, First Division, all that kind of thing. So just being clever and being mischievous with it. So that's the, that's the kind of obvious one with the scaling questions. Where are we now? We can also use them to assess progress. You know, we spoke about a seven being the point where you might not need to come and see me again. How much closer are we to that point? Um, how would you rate our progress? Considering we started at a four, how do you feel now? So again, if you're assessing progress, you can still use those those funny mischievous little scales that, I'm, uh, that I mentioned in a, in a work role. Either way, you are able to use the sliding scale to determine whether progress is being made. Okay, staying with scaling questions just for the moment. They can also be used to make the issue psychologically smaller. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. So we say, okay, so you're at a five now and you believe we may not need to meet again once we get to a seven. So if you notice how the problem feels smaller because you're already some way on, but you don't have to get to 10. We've already agreed all that within the original scaling questions. Okay, we've agreed that you only need to get to a seven. It's a bit like running a marathon. It's a 26 mile marathon, but guess what? You've already done 10 miles. We're going to count that. And you don't even have to do 26. You can end at 20. And it's, it's kind of like that. It feels, oh, right, that's cool. It's not as far as I thought. <laughs> so again, thinking about how you frame your, Scaling questions can be quite interesting. It's psychologically making the problem smaller. The other uh, great use for scaling questions is to manipulate the size of the problem. And this entails shifting the scale upwards or downwards dependent on how we would like the scale to go. Okay, so check this out. Let me know what you think of this, okay? Example, one being okay and 10 being very good. Versus, 
one being okay, and 10 being absolutely amazing. So you can see in the difference between those two examples, it's quite likely easier to score lower in question one because its its scale is narrower. And in question two, the scale is broader and biased towards the higher level. So just to repeat that, one being okay, 10 being very good, versus one being okay and 10 being absolutely incredibly amazing. So you can see how it's pushing your answers in, in, in different directions, helping you to push the scale in a positive direction. In the same way we can do this in a workplace scenario or a frontline scenario, we do the same thing with our scaling questions. So there's a few ways with scaling questions and I think it was worth breaking those down a little bit. This I didn't want to go in depth into particular types of questions, but scaling questions are so, so important um, to us as solution-focused workers. And scaling questions deservedly occupy place of their own in in any kind of solution focused training and they're so important what we do in solution focused work and remember these aren't lessons this is just knowledge and being aware of these types of questions exist it's really important to you as a social care professional so what about other other questions and techniques okay so remember in a solution focused approach if you've done the training with us you know that your role is that of the curious inquisitor to allow the client to be the expert in the room. And then it's questions, 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 questions. Questions are everything. And only through questioning the client, inquiring from every angle, will we enable them to find the solution that neither us or them are possibly able to see right at this moment. So questions fall into numerous categories. And these categories, um, names, etc., are of very little importance to us. What is of importance is that we are aware that these types of questions exist and how we use them. Okay. And it's worth noting at this point, interesting, looking at some work with FBI negotiators, guys that negotiate with potential killers, murderers, hostage takers, kidnappers. And they have a really interesting uh, technique where they say, uh, it's much easier to try and get a no than it is a yes. When you think about it psychologically, if you're trying to get a yes, that's very, very resistive. So, of course, trying to get a yes is like saying, you know, do you have time to talk right now? Mm, uh, well, I, I don't know how long for, uh, you know. Whereas if you say, is this a bad time? You're more likely to get a no answer. Is this a bad time to talk? No, not really. So that's their take on it. And they work with people very, very resistive. So just a side note there, you know, in, in some instances when you're asking questions and they are closed questions, getting a yes, no answer, not really recommended. But that's why I wanted to mention that story because of course, closed questions will um, tend to box people in and produce a yes or no answer. If you feel a need to use a closed question, I was just suggesting you might want to try and get a no, try and turn your question round. Okay, so it's interesting that although we are normally told in training not to use closed questions, you don't get information, it might be good as, as the earlier example. So, of course. Okay, number three, open questions. Now, open questions demand more of an opinion or an explanation. 
Okay, so example, how do you feel about the training methods we have employed at the Action Factory? Would you be willing to tell me a little bit more about X, Y, Z? So we are leaving the question open, much more difficult to give that yes and no. And we are getting the information out of the person. That's always what it's about. Because don't forget, when our clients talk to us, they're talking to themselves Okay, number four, leading questions. Now, a leading question is a question that encourages a particular answer. And these types of questions can be manipulative. And they're often used in something like court cases by clever lawyers, for example. You know, um, they would probably not say something like, you know, did you burgle the home of Mr. Johnson? Uh, no. <laughs> so a leading question would be more like, isn't it true that on the evening of the 24th, instead of being at home as you claim, you were in fact committing the act of burglary at the home of Mr. Johnson and you are putting all of your statement into a question. And even though you're going to get that very sharp answer, you have said what you needed to say. This can be really useful for us because we are the curious inquisitor and it gives us a line of questioning that allows us to tell the client our understanding and reflect some of their language. Okay, number five, and I've put this in because it's a favorite of mine, no questions. This often doesn't come up as a question technique, but it is one. Silence is a difficult thing to achieve, to allow the client to fill that gap. And it's a technique, again, often used by journalists to encourage more disclosure. When silence is in the air, then it's almost instinctive to want to fill that silence. And if you can control the point at which you want to say nothing, that can be quite powerful. A client saying, look, I did have a good day last week and it did work out better for me. And yeah, okay, we are making progress. And you stay silent. And you stay silent. And the client, yeah, you know, like I say, going back last week, we are making progress because I did this and I did that and I did that. So no questions should be in there. Okay, next, number six, exception questions. And this is where we are seeking the exception within the question. If you are not trained in solution-focused therapy, again, a very core concept of solution-focused brief therapy and a solution-focused approach is we're finding times that the client isn't very good at having their problem. So... Exception questions can be, can you tell me a bit more about last week when you coped so well? I'd be really interested to hear how well you did last week. So again, probing, looking for the exceptions. Number seven, coping questions. Asking the client, inquiring about how they have maintained the situation, how it didn't get worse. Remember, sometimes we humbly work with people in very, very dire circumstances. I am always humbled by clients and how they cope. Getting them to tell you how they cope so well is an incredibly powerful way. You seem to have developed a way of dealing with the situation. Tell me how that works for you. Tell me how that happens. Um, I, I, I say this a lot in the training. You know, I've, I've worked with people... Uh, women with abusive husbands, children kind of off the scale, behaviour-wise, money worries, alcoholism in the family, and they cope, they get by. I find that really, really humbling. Getting that out of your client is really, really important. Indirect questions number eight. Number eight is indirect questions. This is where the questions are kind of embedded in statements. 
and although they demand an answer. I wonder if we might be helping you a little more than you think. Maybe we're helping you a little more than I think. Probably says a lot about your character, don't you agree? You know, so there's a question there, but there's also a little hidden kind of statement in there as well. Number nine, orientation questions. This is assessing where you are in a process, enabling everyone to understand where the progress is being made and in conjunction with or including scaling questions. So, you know, would you agree that the training is helping you understand the solution-focused approach? Looking at the scale we made earlier, you said you were a five in terms of your skill level with the solution-focused approach. Would you say that we have moved you forward? And so, again, we are trying to get a gauge for where we are either as a group, as a training group, whatever you're using these particular questions. Finally, number 10, and this isn't a definitive list by any stretch of the imagination, solution questions. And solution questions will push the conversation forward. They avoid problems and negatives, even though they might address those problems. So they will avoid any kind of problem confirmation or setting off down that road. Supposing this training that you're doing with me was a perfect fit. What would you like to achieve in that training? So again, I'm asking you to tell me a little bit about where you'd like to be at the end of the training you're doing with me. And how would success look for you, you know, on the last day of the training? How would it look? Tell me about that. Who would you normally find support from? So again, solution questions. We're looking for positive answers there. Just to repeat myself, the categories are not exhaustive and they are of no relevance to us as solution-focused workers, but really I thought it would be interesting to talk about those categories and being aware of them, okay, and maybe asking yourself when you're talking and inquiring with customers, be aware of them. Remember, the solution-focused worker is aware of two things, If certainly if you've worked with us. Are you genuinely curious about the issue and the client's life? at all times without leading the client to your solution. We have some really frustrating exercises that we do in our training. They're frustrating because I do not allow you to offer solutions, even though the solutions are staring in the face. This is about the client finding a solution. That's that's what I believe passionately about the solution-focused approach. Secondly, are we maintaining the conversation in a solution-focused and positive way. You've all been having those quick conversations with people where they go off down a road and you can pull it back pretty quickly by just bringing in that that kind of positive. So there you go. There's 10 categories of questions certainly worth being aware of. That is it for another Monday. And thank you so much for listening to the Solution Focus Toolkit. Have a great week. And remember, you have got the greatest job in the world. You're in the people business. And please remember, somewhere around the podcast or the blog where you're listening, you can sign up and get the free PDF series that comes along um, with the podcast. Okay, and um, you can also follow and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on stuff. And you won't miss out on next week's episode, which will be about getting stuck when you are working through the solution focused model and boom you just hit the rocks and you don't know where to go i hope i can offer you some pointers to help you there whether that be in a working environment or a therapeutic environment we're all about social care and social work and that kind of thing okay thanks for being there i'm talking too much again i am going to be back 
next Monday morning. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.